Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With Audiohook.com, you can do just that. Audiohook is the premier podcast advertising platform, connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar Sports Podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks. So thank you and go Cougs. I am your host, Andy Mitz, and today we have a packed episode. It's our only episode of the week because the holidays wasn't really able to kind of get stuff worked out to have an episode earlier. It was going to have, I'll be sure, of the Tortillas and Steaks podcast on, or Jeremy Daney of the Tortillas and Steaks podcast on, to talk about both men and women because they were both playing Texas Tech. Um, did not, was not able to make that happen, but had some great performances for the Jayhawks. Both the men and women's team are 2-0. Going into conference play, or starting off conference play, winning the first two games, and honestly did it in some pretty exciting ways. So, I'm going to recap 
kind of everything that's happened at the beginning of conference play. Then we have Jamie Steyer Johnson um, of the Cyclone Family Podcast, you know, broadcasting Iowa State uh, women's basketball, and my my co-host over on the Ten Twelve Podcast on Mondays. Coming to talk about the Baylor game, we had a Baylor guest that had to cancel last minute, so she has graciously stepped in uh, to help us talk about the women's side of the uh, matchups this weekend. And then coming back to the podcast, Brandon Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids is going to be joining us in the second segment to be talking about the West Virginia game to preview that one. And let me tell you, you know, going to West Virginia, that is like a very, very tough matchup. You, you know, the the men's side for sure, all the way, you know, one through nine, one through eight, um, could see lots of upsets, lots of games. Women's side isn't quite that much in terms of depth all the way through top to bottom, but they're still a very, very good conference with a lot of potential upsets. So we will talk about all of that. But before we do that, Kansas, the men's side, I'm going to start with them because, honestly, I think, um, you know, th- there was a lot of excitement going or playing Oklahoma State at home uh, on December 31st to start conference play. It's a very, very difficult game for them. Um, you know, they had some some very big issues, I think, with some of the stuff early in the game. Um, had to kind of get, um, you know, had, had to deal with a comeback and had to deal with holding off Oklahoma State. I'm sorry, they actually had to come back. They got down by 15 points at halftime in a game that was extremely reminiscent of the national championship. Got down 15 at halftime. You were like, they can come back. I don't know if they will come back in this one, but, you know, Oklahoma State was shooting absolutely light at lights out. Bryce Thompson was having just one of the best games you could possibly imagine him having. The former Jayhawk coming back to Kansas, coming back to Allen Fieldhouse, and just lighting everything up um, was not what Kansas fans wanted to see. But Kansas was able to, you know, kind of change what they did defensively, and towards the end of that game, be able to get everything turned around. They they did exactly what they did the championship game. They came back. It wasn't quite as quick. You know, it wasn't the, the first TV timeout in the second half, but by the 10-minute mark, they were back to even, and then it was just a dogfight the rest of the way. Um, you know, you had a lot of a lot of very interesting, I think, uh, storylines to come out of that, players that really stepped up. And, and the guy that I think I want to highlight here is actually K.J. Adams. Um, he had an absolutely phenomenal set of games. Um, you know, against Oklahoma State, he had 14 points. He was 6 of 6 from the field. Um, he has been moving a lot better without the ball, doing a lot of different things, and has just really come alive at that post position for the Jayhawks. He then had 14 points against Texas Tech in the second game with a total of five rebounds, four offensive rebounds, which is where I think he made the biggest impact. You know, those those rebounds on the, the glass, the offensive glass, kicking it back out to allow the Jayhawks to get what they needed to get and really continue to push against a very tough Texas Tech team. Um, you know, Texas Tech, that, that game was actually exactly the opposite. On the road, Kansas got up very significantly going into halftime and then had to fight off a Texas Tech uh, comeback. You know, we can talk about refs all you want, but honestly, the refs were just atrocious in that Texas Tech game both ways. Um, there will be a lot of Texas Tech fans, and honestly, I think there will be a lot of Oklahoma State fans that will be talking about end-of-game calls or non-calls. Um, Big 12 refs have lived up to their name, to lived up to their reputation so far this year. It has been very bad back and forth in all the games. So I'm not like, I'm not going to blame them for anything. Kansas was able to come and, and find ways. But if you want to try to blame them, just know that, and it is probably going to be this way the entire rest of the year, you know, you are going to be able to point to both calls that helped you and calls that hurt you in every single game. And they're going to balance out. So 
Um, I'm not going to focus on it. That's the last time I really want to talk about it. We can talk about potentially egregious calls that happen later in the year as they come up. Um, but you will not hear from me unless it gets extremely one-sided, you know, something where like Kansas is called for 27 fouls and the other team is only called for one, something like that. Um, I will not be talking about refing the rest of the year. So I, I, I can promise you that at this point. Jalen Wilson has been struggling from the field. Um, it's a little weird because he is the guy that I thought everyone expected, you know, to really kind of step up and do everything that they needed um, this week or this this year from him. The thing is, I mean, he's, you know, he was 7 of 17 in the Oklahoma State game, and he was, um, you know, 6 of 16 in the Texas Tech game. So he's missed 10 shots in each of the last two games. I, I don't want to... Like, I'm not trying to make a call for him to take less shots. Um, I do think he should potentially be a little bit more selective in what he's doing. But the other thing, too, is I don't I don't know how much of that is him, you know, going completely in the flow of the offense and missing them or, or trying to force things and missing them. But he is the leader, so nobody really, you know, thinks too much about it. it it's clear that what they are doing is working. He is, you know... Rebounding pretty well, he's doing pretty well in the assist uh, in the assist numbers and, and and the turnovers and all of that. But um, you know, for whatever reason, it's just not falling for him right now. He needs to get out of the slump if he's going to continue to shoot at that level. You know, he had twenty points against Oklahoma State, but he needed seventeen shots to do it. He had twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, he had sixteen points against Texas Tech, but he had he needed sixteen shots to do it. So again, he's not being nearly as efficient as you would hope for. That being said, I'm, you know, I'm not saying take the ball out of his hands. I'm not saying any of that stuff. It's just one of those things that I think if Kansas is going to continue at this pace, is going to continue and potentially push to get back to the Final Four and try to defend their national championship. Um, he is going to have to get better shooting. Um, Dewan Harris, I think, has been absolutely phenomenal the last two games. He did not score much. He only had six points against Oklahoma State. But he had nine assists. He was all over the place, you know, dishing out to other people. And, and you know, talked after the game, and, and I think we've, we've heard this a lot from him throughout his time here, is that he really enjoys and really thrives when he is getting other people involved, allowing other people to do what it is that they do best. Um, and so there's not going to be a lot of games where he is the main scorer. But, man, against Texas Tech, that was his night offensively. He had um, 18 points. Uh, yeah, 18 points. He was the leading scorer for the Jayhawks on five of five three-point shots. He only missed one shot on the night. That was a two-pointer that he took. Well, and, and then he missed a free throw. But he had 18 points on six of seven shooting, was just absolutely lights out. Um, and, and Texas Tech let him do it. So the benefit of that is that he has shown, one, he, has, he gets the extra confidence so that he can continue to shoot as the year goes on. Um, but it also means that teams have to actually start paying attention. If he is going to be willing to take those shots, if he is going to take those threes when they leave him wide open, teams are going to have to start accounting for that which is the biggest thing that is going to help this Kansas team. Um, Texas Tech, I don't think, really adjusted to what he was doing, the way he was shooting, until it was way too late, at which point you know, other things kind of opened up for other players. I expect Wilson to be able to get more shots, get better shots. I think Grady Dick will get more shots and better shots. He had an off night against Texas Tech. Um, you know, He was only one of five from three against Texas Tech. And if you go over... Uh, you know, he was two of four from three against Oklahoma State. So he has been in a little bit of a slump, which is not something that you, you know, is completely unexpected for a freshman who came out starting as hot as he did. Um, but I think what we have seen from this team, they have a bunch of different options. And the emergence of K.J. Adams in the post 
has been phenomenal for this team. I'll be very interested to see how much he can keep it up. This is a non-traditional um, you know, post-game, the way that the Jayhawks are playing right now. And let's see how long it can last. I actually have been saying this um, kind of to myself and, and a little bit here and there. Um, the way that Adams has come alive in this season reminds me a lot of the year that Landon Lucas broke out for the Jayhawks. As a junior, you know, he wasn't wasn't great, you know, early, or I should say wasn't wasn't the like the go-to guy down on the post early in the year, but you got to conference play a few games into conference play and all of a sudden he broke out and he was that guy that you went to all year long. Again, it was not your traditional, you know, post up, be very strong in the post, all that stuff. Um, but it was very effective. It really helped the Jayhawks to make um, some some noise in that particular year. And I think KJ Adams is developing in a similar sort of way where they are really embracing what it is that he does and allowing the way that he plays the post to affect how they actually handle running the offense, playing on defense. He is extremely active, very high energy, and is able to do a lot of things because he just out-hustles guys. So I'll be very excited to kind of see. Um, but Kansas 2-0, they go to West Virginia this weekend uh, on Saturday. They are in Morgantown. Uh, like I said, we will have Brandon Phoenix of the Raspberry Voice Kids coming up uh, in the second segment here uh, so that we can preview that game. And then, you know, they have on Tuesday, they are at home against the Oklahoma Sooners. So we will we will be looking at that game before that one actually happens. But, man, it is going to be a very, I think, a very, very interesting uh, setup there. So Kansas actually, we're going to have another next weekend, we're going to have another one of those um, Iowa State men and or I'm sorry, men and women playing the same opponent in different locations as the Iowa State women uh, will be taking on the Jayhawks up in Ames, and then the Iowa State men on Saturday will be coming down to play the Jayhawks um, here in Allen Fieldhouse on the, on the men's side. So it'll be very interesting. But before we get over to our previews, switching over to the women's side, um, you know they do not have a problem with a dominant post playing the way that they want to. This is again, it's a it's a very unusual for what we have seen from the team post play on the women's side because of how great it has been. Um, Tiana Jackson has been absolutely just a, a complete stud for the Jayhawks down in the post. She has two different quarters where she got 10 rebounds in a single quarter once against Oklahoma state in the fourth quarter to put that game away. And then in the first quarter of the game against Texas tech. So back to back quarters where, you know, she was, uh, or back-to-back quarters where she was able to just completely demolish the other team on the boards, and it really drove a lot of what Kansas did. Um, the other big story of this game was just the fact that, uh, well, well, against Oklahoma State, it was pretty even all the way throughout until the fourth quarter when Oklahoma State down in Stillwater just completely ran out of gas in the fourth quarter, and Kansas pulled ahead. Holly Kirschdieter had a phenomenal game against Oklahoma State. Uh, led the team in scoring, and then Tyana Jackson kind of finished it off in the fourth with the way that she rebounded really allowed Kansas to push the pace and do everything that they wanted to do to come away with a 15-point win. Um, you know, go to the game against Texas Tech, and it was it was the three the three big seniors, the ones that all came to, to media days. I actually put this in my recap over on Blue Wings Rising. You know, it was Tyana Jackson, who was just a beast on the boards again, was absolutely phenomenal. She scored in double figures as well, but Holly Kirschgeter and Sakaya Franklin both had 26, doing it completely different ways. Kirschgeter was, you know, heating up from three, was doing a really good job there, and Sakaya Franklin, she was driving, just doing a whole bunch. Um, so 
it's been good to see those three really break out. And I think what that showed, the fact that pretty much no one else on the team was able to do anything offensively, um, but they have all had games where they've stepped up and been able to help one or two of that main trio. It is very clear that this is a team that is driven by those three players, but they have plenty of other supporting cast that can help out, that can pick up the slack when one of them is off, that can really add some extra dimensions to what this Jayhawk team can do. Um, but Iowana Hatsaleonti had a very poor game against Texas Tech because she just seemed off. She's coming back from an injury. She's dealing with a lot of different stuff. So, um, But, you know, I expect her to get back on track. Chandler Prater had been phenomenal in, in multiple games and just could not get you know herself going against Texas Tech, but she played well against Oklahoma State. I expect her, again, starting with this Baylor game, to get back on and really start doing what she can do. So this is a women's team that is very exciting, just as exciting, honestly. If, 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 if I'm being completely honest, I think that they are just as exciting as the men's team because of what they're able to do, because of how much they have raised the expectations for this program and for the way that this team... It's very fun to talk about both the men and the women, and I can tell you right now it's going to be difficult, I think, the rest of the year um, to to fit everything I want to into these episodes because there's just so much, so much great stuff that I want to talk about with both of these teams. And speaking of so many great things, that is what you can find when you go over to sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, so much more. They have a whole bunch of stuff for 140 plus different schools, and they keep adding stuff all the time. New schools, new lines, refreshing the lines that they have, new types of clothing, you know, new logos. They're always finding new stuff and just adding on to what they have. You go over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOCK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 have free shipping. And now let me tell you, they have so many different things. I guarantee that you're going to find something that you really, really want. I am wearing, actually right now as we're recording, my Beware of the Fog shirt um, that I got from them. It's absolutely, I love it so much. Um, you know, But I have stuff for, you know, I have stuff from Iowa State. I have stuff from Houston. I have stuff from a bunch of different schools. Uh, University of Delaware, just great logos that I absolutely fell in love with that I absolutely had to have. And so you too can find great stuff. Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, I'm going to go ahead and get you guys over to the interview that I did with Jamie Steyer Johnson, JSJ herself, talking about this Baylor game. And then we will go ahead and head to break and then come back and talk with Brandon Phoenix of Raspberry Voice Kids. And I am joined now by Jamie Steyer Johnson, our resident Big 12 women's basketball expert. Uh, she's pinch hitting for... Uh, Matt Wilson, who was going to be joining me to talk about Baylor, but had something come up. So, of course, uh, Jamie, who is very well-versed in all that is Big 12 women's basketball, as I am trying to become more so, um, is going to jump on to talk a little bit about this Baylor team before Kansas gets ready to take them on. Um, talked about it just before, uh, you know, this here in the episode that, uh, you know, Kansas had some uh, some phenomenal performances recently. Um, this last game, I was honestly surprised by just how much the trio of Holly Kersgeter, Zakiya Franklin, and Tiana Jackson took over that game. In fact, um, you know, I think they scored all but like eight of Kansas' points. Uh, it was kind of crazy to look at the at the box score and see just how dominant they were. Baylor, we're used to seeing that sort of thing from Baylor, right, where they have three or four really good players that can take over a game at any particular moment, and if all three of them are on. Um, you know, then you're going to run into an issue. 
I, I don't know that Baylor necessarily has that this year, but I also have not watched nearly as much Baylor as I would have liked to to kind of scout them. So looking at what Baylor has, like who are the main players that they have that really help their offense run? Um, and, and where is Kansas going to have the biggest trouble coming up in this game? It's really interesting because for years and years and years, Baylor has been a team that has they've really relied heavily on the fact that they're going to have most likely the most dominant big in the league. Uh, that's that's something that we've just kind of gotten used to, and they might have a couple of them. Uh, and if they're not the the best, if they're not the most dominant, they're at least big. And for the first time in a long time, that's not the case. Uh, their their production is mostly coming from the perimeter, which that's I mean that's not super new for Baylor. They've had the likes of Odyssey Sims come through their program, right? But just the reliance that they have on the perimeter is, is a very big uh, a jump from the way that they've had to play or been able to play, I should say, in the past. You know. I, Caitlin Bickle, I think, is a terrific player. She's been playing the four for Baylor for quite a long time, maybe the backup five to give them a small look. But the fact that she's their starting post is uh, is kind of different. And Dariana Littlepage-Bug, she's a freshman. She's someone who's certainly uh, very much in the conversation for freshman of the year in the Big 12. She's got a lot of length, a lot of height to her as well, really athletic, works really hard, but just hasn't really adjusted as well as I think Baylor would have liked her to thus far. She had some very dominant games in the non-conference, but she only played nine minutes against Oklahoma. Now, to be fair, Oklahoma is a very difficult team to play against just because of the pace, especially when you're young, really difficult to adjust to. But she hasn't been getting up nearly as many shots in conference play. Only took one shot against Oklahoma. Only took three shots against TCU. And again, that's that's a game that Baylor should be able to kind of do what they want and get people going against TCU. Uh, so certainly some interesting things there. But the big names... There's, there's a couple that could go off at any given time. Last game out for Baylor, it was Sarah Andrews. She set a career high, had 30 points, 9 of 11 from the free throw line, 8 of 20 from the floor. The big one, is she was 5 of 12 from the three-point line. Now, I'd have to go back through the stats, but I can't remember the last time a Baylor player had five three-pointers, especially in a game of consequence. You know, that's, there'd be times where Baylor maybe took five threes in an, an entire game, and that's not really that much of an exaggeration. So the fact that they're looking more to that perimeter, even if they're not always falling, the team was 7-25 against Oklahoma. It's not great, but it's not terrible. So I would certainly look more to Sarah Andrews. Uh, the other one that I think is is maybe the top of the scouting report for Kansas would be Jamie Asbury. She's been pretty solid this year, but I tell you what, she was really, really good against Kansas last year. She's a really big reason why Kansas did drop both of those games to Baylor last year, and they were really, really close. There was a very slim margin for error, and Asbury was pretty much as good as she could be against them, especially when she was still kind of finding her footing at times. So uh, in, in a very just weird twist, you're going to be looking a lot more at Baylor's perimeter. And on the inside, you're going to be looking at Kansas. Kansas is the one who's going to be trying to pound the ball down low. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little weird. I mean, Tyana Jackson has made a case for being, you know, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year with the way that she has been rebounding and blocking shots and doing a lot of stuff there. Um, and, and honestly has made a case, I think, to be to be Big 12 Player of the Year, just how dominant she's been. She's had, you know, three straight games where she's gotten, I believe it's been at least 15 points and 15 rebounds or something like that. Um, she is just going off all over the place. It's been very impressive to watch. She's had two quarters in the last two games uh, where she got 10 rebounds in a single quarter, which is just absolutely ridiculous to think about. Um, you know, and, and, and it's weird because, like you said, we're so used to seeing Baylor just be dominant on the inside, to have the height, to have the, you know, the, the, the size and be able to kind of push teams around on the inside. I don't know that I've seen them be able to do that this year. Um, like, even in the non-conference, it didn't seem like that was a style of play that when they went to it, it was successful for them. Um, they, they have kind of shied more and more away from it as the year has gone on. Um, and, and so it's not that they've been or unsuccessful, it's that they've been successful in ways that are a lot different than we're used to seeing, so it feels like this is not a Baylor team that we're used to seeing at all. Um, you know, over our, our, our friends over at CBB Analytics, they have Baylor as the second team in the conference right now. I believe they're, they're 16th overall, whereas Kansas is 4th in the conference and 22nd overall, if you look at the net ratings. Um, but, you know, this is still, like, a very, very close matchup, very close game, and you know, I, I I would have been extremely concerned about this game with the three point shooting on the outside if Holly Kurzgeter did not just have the game that she did because she had been in somewhat of a slump, you know, shooting from three. Um, I, I that's the one thing I had noted. You know, it, it it appears based off of comments made by Coach Brandon Schneider that you know she was dealing with some some uh, illness and then just kind of being out of a rhythm and all of that. And so last night was a or not last night, but er, er, earlier this week against. Uh, Texas Tech was a huge lift for her to get her back in rhythm. And Zakaya Franklin has had one off night, I think, since she got back into the starting lineup, and that's it. Um, you know, she has been absolutely electric. So it, it it almost seemed for a little while in the game, you know, against Texas Tech that they were having kind of a competition of who was going to be the leading scorer. Uh, it was supposed to be Kurzgeter splashing in threes, or was going to be Franklin driving to the basket. Um Kansas has so many different options here that I am very curious. What do you think the best way for Baylor to be able to handle the different ways that Kansas can play? Um, you know, who are who are going to be the key players on defense that are going to try to shut down? And which of those three options do you think is going to be the bigger priority for Baylor to shut down? Is it going to be Kurskeeter from the outside, Franklin with her, you know, driving slashing play, or Jackson in the middle? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's interesting because Baylor is a team that is, uh, I, I think they rely more heavily on their defense. I, that's, I mean, I said that on my broadcast the other night uh, about another team in the Big 12, West Virginia. You know, there's there's just some teams that you know they're they're going to score what they need to score. If they, it, I should say it a different way. The the difference is more going to be on the offensive end for them because they feel good about their defense being pretty steady. And so for Baylor, it's, it's going to be interesting because not only is it where you're used to seeing them have a, a really solid post, but you're also not used to seeing them go against a team with such a talented post player and not really have someone who's a match for them, even physically. Uh, and so that's certainly going to be something that uh, I'm intrigued to see what the game plan 
is for Baylor because Nikki Collins, obviously a terrific coach, but I mean, the, the most size that you have on the bears roster is probably Kendra Gillespie and she's not got the height and length of Tiana Jackson. And I don't think that she has the footwork to be able to stick with her a lot of the time either. Uh, So that's certainly going to be a concern. Something that they can do to try to alleviate that is pressure the guards more, just make it more difficult to even get the ball inside. Uh, So I think that Baylor is going to be putting a lot of pressure on their perimeter defense. They're going to have to make it really difficult to feed the ball inside. They're going to have to make it tough to get good looking shots. I mean, you look at Zakiya Franklin, she had 26 points against Texas Tech. She was 11 of 16 for the floor. Like that for a guard is absurd. That simply does not happen. So uh, it, it shows that she's very smart with her shots, but she took 16 of them. So she's finding a lot of really good ones. So uh, there's certainly going to be a big point of emphasis to make it more difficult for her. I think that Baylor's going to say, well, we we have people who are physically able to stay with her. They're quick. They have good footwork. Uh, so I think that's definitely something Nikki Collins is going to challenge them on. As far as Holly Kurzgeter, if I'm Baylor, my thought is that if we're doing our job on Tyana Jackson, if we're doing our job on Zakiya Franklin, a side effect of that would be to impact Holly Kurzgeter because she's not someone who's going to go one-on-one a whole lot. Is she capable of it? Absolutely. But her best shots are coming in the flow of the offense. And so if you're stilting the offense, if you're making it more difficult to get good ball movement, to get good looks, that's going to affect Holly Kurzgeter a lot more than Tiana Jackson and Zakiya Franklin. So that's kind of going to be your secondary priority if you're Baylor on defense. Yeah, I think if it's me, I mean, I think that there's a couple different things. Kansas has been very good in the fast break this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have, they're they're shooting 96.7% on fast break opportunities. Like that is absolutely phenomenal. Like that's top of the of the entire league here. Um, Baylor has not been quite so good, but Kansas, that's what they look for, right? They turn their defense into offense um, and are very successful at it. And that's where a lot of Franklin's, uh, you know, opportunities came was fast break points, um, you know, finding, like breaking down the defense that is still trying to get set up and getting easy layups. And that's what happened a lot against Texas Tech. Um, Kansas does that to everybody. So I'll be interested to see how well Baylor's able to kind of get back on those. Um, But the other thing, kind of to your point, you have to disrupt the passing. Kansas is a very good assist team. Um, I think I was looking back through and I I, I looked at most of the games, uh, but recently, you know, they have been getting assists on roughly 75% of their shots, um, which is a really, really good mark for a lot of teams. You know, that means that Kansas, kind of to your point, doesn't, you know, ISO, doesn't do a lot of different things where an individual player is just making the play. They do a lot of passing. They do a lot of ball movement, and that opens up opportunities. The thing is, though, it's not like a situation where you can say, okay, Holly Kurzgeter is the person we need to shut down, so we just need to make sure they don't get her the ball because Kansas has shown going to Chandler Prater, going to Iowana Hatsaleonti, going to, you know, Wyvet Mayberry. They have plenty of other options of players that can have big nights if you need them to. Chandler Prater had a night where she, you know, was one of the leading scorers um, and just completely went off. Hatsaleonti has done that several times in the last few years. In fact, I believe it was last year that Hatsaleonti had a really hot game against Baylor. Um, so it'll be, yeah, oh yeah, twice, right. That, that's right. She had two fantastic games against Baylor. So if she, you're she might be one of those. You're, you're circling this one. You're yeah. saying, man, 
I've I've been off my rhythm. Thankfully, my teammates have been there. They've been ready. She's so much better than she's shown recently. And and having slumps is, I mean, nothing new. It happens to very very talented players. But I think the way that Iowa Hatsuyonti has played recently is way more of the outlier than the rule she is well and and she's also coming back from an injury she suffered an injury very early in the season um and had been making strides but i also think that texas tech played her defensively a completely different way than most other teams have and she didn't adjust well to it um but i think what you also saw in that game against texas tech was that texas tech was very focused on making sure that the vast array of you know weapons that kansas had couldn't all get going um, it was kind of a, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with, you know, th- your your main people, and they were up for the task. So, you know, I definitely think it's one of those things where Hatsleonti is has been much better, like you said, than than the recent games have shown. And, yeah, Baylor is, like, the perfect type of matchup for the style of game she likes to play. They're very physical with her, and she thrives on that physicality and being able to kind of bang in the lane. And, you and know, it's it tall. Seems, yeah. She's got height against Baylor this year. That's a huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed against Texas Tech almost like she was driving into the lane or going into the lane expecting contact, and it didn't come as hard as she was expecting, and it threw her off. So, yeah, that is, that's one of those things. I'm expecting her to have a big game. I will be very interested to see. I am very glad that this is actually at Allen Fieldhouse, um, one, so that I can actually go you know, and, and cover it and enjoy being there, but also just the fact that um, you know Kansas will or does play better at home to get that early matchup here to kind of build that lead. Because as you and I are going to be talking about early next week, uh, kind of previewing episodes, I don't normally do that because I, I subscribe to <laughs> Phillip's thought about, you know, if you if you tease it, it probably doesn't end up happening. But I'm comfortable enough to say that you're going to help us kind of look at the Big 12 as a whole from the women's side um, early next week. Um, you know, this is such a tough conference. There are so many great teams. I mean, even Iowa State had trouble with West Virginia for a good portion you know, of that game. And so it's like any any night there's a team that can jump up and beat you. I think the only team that I'm not confident in saying it has a, a chance to upset every other team is potentially TCU. And, they just, and that's just because they've been struggling. They um, kept it close with – I mean, yeah, they yeah. played nearly even with Texas in the second half. Like, Yeah, that, I mean, they have an opportunity, I think, to keep <laughs> games competitive. But if, like, like if, if I'm looking at it, I'm almost to the point where you go through the season schedule and with the exception of TCU's games – you can almost just draw names out of a hat and be as close as you're as you're actually going to get to picking who actually wins them. So it's going to be a very competitive league. It's a very um, it's been very enjoyable to watch. And and I thought that the Baylor Oklahoma game, you know, earlier this this week was mm-hmm. a fantastic game to watch. Uh, Baylor looked like they were going to run away with that one, and then Oklahoma came back. So I am very interested to see how Baylor is able to handle any kind of adversity that they see against the Jayhawks this week. So. All right. Any other final thoughts about this game before we get out of here? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm really excited. Thankfully, Iowa State plays Oklahoma on Sunday, so I don't have uh, my itinerary yet. But I'm hoping that we won't be in the air as this one's happening. Uh, certainly, a really, really good one to watch, especially as you are uh, kind of previewing. Certainly, one that will be good for Iowa State to watch at this particular time. Got some, got some big ones coming up. But no, I, I am super, super excited. Um, I, I make no secret that I really like Kansas as a program uh, for women's basketball. I think that 
they are very fun to watch. They play a style that I can certainly relate to. It helps to have a, a connection on the coaching staff with Morgan Page, who spent some time at Iowa State. Um, but I, I'm really intrigued. We're really getting into the meat of the Big 12 schedule. And we're going to start being able, I think, to quit calling some of these games coin flips. I think some teams are going to really start separating themselves. On any given night, something weird can happen. But I believe around this time next week, maybe end of next week, we'll be able to start making uh, some more actual determinations about where teams are landing in the Big 12 standings. Uh, And this is going to be one of the games that really helps uh, to hammer those kind of tiers out because Kansas and Baylor are both playing at a very elite level. Uh, Maybe haven't had as many opportunities to quite show how good they can be against really high level competition and against competition like you see in the big 12, as far as style goes. Uh, But so this will, this will definitely be a huge game. I'm super excited to watch. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of funny going into this game. Like normally you get to this point of the season and a team like Baylor has probably the most impressive win and, and everything. Honestly, I think if you look across the entire conference, Kansas probably has the most impressive win against Arizona out in Tucson, the way that they just completely demolished uh, the the Wildcat. So it's a little bit of, you know, bizarro world to kind of see how all this is set up. But I, I, I do agree with you. I think ultimately we're going to get another week or two into the conference and we're uh, uh, the conference schedule. And we're going to see probably, you know, I, I would imagine we're probably going to end up settling into about three different tiers. You know, the tier of four or five teams that could that could push to win the conference, then probably two or three teams that can, you know, be an upset on any particular night. And then a couple teams down at the bottom. You know, TCU, obviously, I think is the only one where you know where they're going to be at this point just because of the struggles that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, West Virginia falls off or or all of a sudden starts, you know, everything clicks. Same with Texas Tech. They could go either way. Um, there's a bunch of teams I think that you know are going to be up towards the top. The question is going to be for how long. But how this out, is another yeah. one where I don't, I you know, I think we're going to get into the final two weeks of the season. We're going to be four games left. And you're going to have four or five, maybe even six teams that could potentially win the conference title at that yeah, point. Yeah, I don't think you've got anyone running the table there. And oh gosh, yeah. one, no, no one last uh, point, if, if you subscribe to the transitive property, which which has its, its benefits and drawbacks, uh, let me tell you about that Arizona win for Kansas when uh, – We've got a, a little head-to-head there comparison where Baylor ended up losing by 20 points to Arizona. Now, it is, is uh, every game the same? Can I you mean, exactly put them head-to-head? So, so you heard it here no, first. Jamie but, Jamie Steyer Johnson, JSJ, is calling the 50-point Kansas win. win. <laughs> okay. All right. Take that to the bank. Please don't. <laughs> all right. I'm in the account. Well, you know what? As you say all the time, you are – free to take anything that you have said and completely pretend like you never said it at any point in the future. So, uh, you know, we 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 give you that and I don't think that we're going to take that away. I stand by nothing soon. I say unless I'm right. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. Um, make sure, obviously, guys, if, if you are listening, you can catch Jamie with me over on the 1012 podcast uh, every single Monday, except for this one coming up because it is my anniversary, so I will not be on the uh, the, the the podcast there. But 
covering both men and women's basketball at this time of the year. Um, and of course, she has the Cyclone Family podcast where she covers Iowa State and talks about everything going on there. And if you are wanting to listen to her broadcasting the actual game, she does the play-by-play. Uh, what's what's the app that's the best way to find that? If you are Varsity, Varsity yeah. Right. So the Varsity Network app. So hey, this week we're playing on Sunday. If you're thinking, man, I really should get more involved and know more women's basketball in the Big Twelve, Iowa State. We're heading to Oklahoma. It's going to be a fun one, especially since you know. Kansas uh, got demolished by Iowa State twice last year. So if they're going to make a any noise, you know, you, they need to know that Iowa State team in and out and be ready to to at least give them some games there. I'm, I'm hoping that Kansas can split that 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 series with the, with the Cyclones this year. So, all right, Jamie, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, and uh, we will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we are back. I am here now with Brandon Phoenix, one half of the Raspy Voice Kids here on the 1012 Podcast Network. Brandon, it's been a little while, but uh, how you doing? I could be a lot better. I mean, you start out conference play better than what the Mountaineers uh, have, and I would feel a lot better. But overall, I'm good. Family's good. Life's good. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things like this is a... um... You know, we were actually talking just before we got started. This is a beast of a conference. You look at West Virginia... They are 21 in Ken Palm, and they're 0-2 in the conference and staring down the barrel of just a brutal conference record. I think, you know, just just to start out, I mean, honestly, every single team in the conference is staring down the potential of a brutal conference record. I looked at the, the Ken Palm projections, and Kansas is projected to win the conference, right? They are projected to win every single game, according to Ken Palm, except for the finale against Texas. But if you look at the projected record where, you know, they add up all the percentages, they're still expected to go 13 and five in conference. So like the margins that they're, you know, it's like a 59%, 54%, like the expectations for them winning in this conference are extremely slim. And Kansas is supposedly the best team in the conference according to Ken Palm rating. So like this is a, a beast of a conference. Um, you know, every single team is rated in the top 37. Oklahoma is at, is the worst rated team, according to Ken Palm. They're number 37 in the country. West Virginia is at 21. You know, Kansas State, who just had a huge win against Texas on the road, um, you know, they're at 30. Like, there's only two teams outside of the top 30. And this is just the deepest. Like, we thought last year was a deep conference. Um, this year is even even much more deep. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's real clear to me that Big 12 basketball, Big 12 men's basketball, is what the SEC football teams think they are in football. Like, yeah, the difference, the difference in in success, the difference in power, the difference in uh, con- consistency is so clear from top to bottom in this league, in a in a much greater way than SEC football projects itself to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and and honestly, you like you look at this. You go up and down the schedule. It is impossible for me right now to look at any single team in the Big 12 and say, you lose to them and it's a bad loss. Like, you can lose badly in terms of being completely blown out, and that could show up as a bad loss. But 
any loss that's within, you know, five to seven points, you cannot rate that as a bad loss when it comes tournament resume time because every single one of these teams is fantastic going through non-conference play. And, like, these teams are all good enough that, I mean, the Big 12 SEC challenge this year could could still go towards the SEC, but, like, you look at the, the, the matchups and look at the way that the teams are rated – the Big 12 should be favored in basically every single one of those games this year. It's that ridiculous. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to it. I really hope that my guys can start swimming. You guys are doing okay, but I really hope my guys can start swimming. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been easy for, for Kansas in either game that they've been in. I think part of that is just the teams that they've been playing, the way the stuff is matched up. But, you know, it's not like it gets that much easier or any easier at all. You know, West Virginia has the 25th rated offense, according to Ken Palm, the 34th rated defense. Um, they have a bunch of stuff that has worked out really, really well for them this year. So let, let's go ahead and jump in. West Virginia, obviously, you know, they are 10-4 and 4 overall, 0-2 in the conference. Um, but but looking at what this team does, like, who are the main guys that, that fans need to know going into this game? Because, you know, the, yeah, they have a decent number of guys, I think, that came back from last year, but... I'm going to be honest with the way that West Virginia ended the season last year. It's hard to remember who all is still here and the way the transfer portal works and like who, who the main guys are. So for them to take the leap up that they did based off of the end of last season, who, who are we looking for coming into this game? Well, they lost a lot to the transfer portal and the people going pro. Tash Sherman was probably their, their best offensive player last year and he left. Uh, he went pro. He's playing pro basketball now. Jalen Bridges, of course, transferred to Baylor. He's playing for Scott Drew now. And Sean McNeil, who was the best three-point shooter the Mountaineers had, had transferred out, and he went to Ohio State. So a lot of the familiar faces are gone. A lot of what you would expect uh, returning firepower is gone. But you got some faces back. You got Emmett Matthews, a transfer. He left. He was at West Virginia, left, went to Washington, his home state. He's back now, and he's kind of the glue guy. He's a liaison between Huggins and the players. He's on and off the court, keeping everybody together, and he's been a big addition uh, re-addition, you might say, for the Mountaineers this year. As far as offense, just pure scoring, put the ball in the bucket when you need a basket. He's the guy who's going to go get it. Eric Stevenson, transfer from South Carolina. Tough, hard-nosed guy who also wants to talk. And he's getting a reputation. The refs are becoming familiar with his reputation, and that only makes it worse. He got into a, a talking match with Marcus Smart at Oklahoma State the other night. Uh, which led to a cross grab right after he had tied the game with a three-pointer. The wheels kind of fell off after that. Uh, Mountaineer basketball did not show up after that event. And Bob Huggins called him out for it. Bob Huggins said that the next time it happens, he's not even going to talk to him. He's just going to tell him to pack his bags. But Eric Stevenson, as long as he keeps a level head, and keeps him out, he's, good. he's a guy. He's a mismatch. He's a problem. Then you've got Trey Mitchell. Transfer from Texas, and he balls. He's a really good scorer. He's really, really talented. Probably the most talented, the most likely to, to have a chance at a G League or the NBA uh, is, is Trey. Uh, and he's played well for WVU this season. He's led the team to scoring multiple times. He's a really good player. You got another guy that you might, you're probably going to hear about a lot uh, from the standpoint of he's got a cool story, Jimmy Bell. He's a big man starting coming off the uh, coming in for the Mountaineers. He lost 80 pounds in the offseason. That's a lot of weight. I don't care how big you are. He lost 80 pounds. Yeah, wow. He's still that's a, a lot. mountain of a man. He's a really big guy. 
That's a lot. It's a it's a whole lot. You, it's like you have to learn how to play all over again when you lose that kind of weight. Um, but he's doing it, and he's been consistent for the Mountaineers, and he's somebody to look for. Yeah, yeah. So kind of to your point, you know, with so much movement in the transfer portal, um, it it feels like every single team in the Big Twelve has a at least one player on their roster that played at a different Big 12 school last year, which is super confusing and super difficult to kind of keep all that straight. Um, but, you know, Eric Eric Stevenson reminds me a lot. I'm trying to remember the name of the Mississippi guard that used to get into trouble all the time with his yeah. attitude. Um, but, like, yeah, the little bit name? I've seen, like, it reminds me of that. So, <laughs> Yeah, I never even thought about it. That dude was better than Eric Stevenson. No, he that's fair. Was, uh, that's fair. He 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 definitely had the play to justify having that sort of swagger and attitude, but it can still get out of control. It can still fire at the opponent. It can still cause problems. And of course, Bob Huggins, you know, is at the point in his career where he's not going to put up with anybody's crap, um, which has honestly been most of his career anyway. But like, he's really at the point where he just does not care um, what other people want to do. If if they're going to act like that, if they're going to make a fool of themselves, he is going to put them in their place pretty quickly. So, yeah. I think it's more of when you put the team in jeopardy. Because like I said, when Stevenson made that gesture, he had just tied the game, gets a technical, which is another foul for him, puts Oklahoma State at the line, loses the lead, and there was no recovering after that. Like, It's more about jeopardizing the team than it is about just putting people in their places, if that makes any sense. Well, well, right, right, yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, yeah, yeah. I I didn't mean it, like, in terms of the, you know, you're going to respect me, that sort of putting into place. But, like, understanding what your place is, what your role is on the team. If you're going to do something like that and make it all about you, he's going to make sure you know, hey, this isn't just about you. This is about everybody. And and kind of to your point, he put them in a really bad situation, and they weren't able to recover from it. Now, this game, obviously, you know, Kansas is coming to West Virginia. Um, so hopefully it'll be a little bit easier to kind of, you know, feed off the energy of the crowd, do what you need to do, and, and not necessarily find yourself in those sort of situations. But, um, you know, we've already seen Kansas play plenty of very tough-nosed games, very difficult games. What is it that West Virginia does well that you think would be difficult for um the Jayhawks to potentially handle. So like, what's the strength of this West Virginia team? What are they doing when they're playing really well and giving teams a hard time? Truth be told, the most successful they're going to be is when Stevenson is rolling, when Eric Stevenson is rolling. So when they run offense and actually run offense, instead of stopping the ball and just going mano a mano, West Virginia, like you said, has the 25th best offense. That's really good, especially for the talent that they've played. Um, so the key for them is to run the offense, let Stevenson get loose, opens things up for Trey Mitchell, and then it's hard for other teams to defend them. Yeah, well, so so looking at their Ken Palm profile, um, I am I am a little curious because it seems like the one thing that West Virginia does um, is they go to the line a lot and they force their opponent or they let their opponents go to the line a lot. Kansas is completely opposite. They don't go to the line very much, and you know their opponents don't go to the line very much. So is, is that a style thing in terms of physicality, of going directly at opponents, of being super aggressive on the defense? Like, What is it that causes so many free throws to happen in their, in their games? Well, they, they talked about that in the offseason. Something they wanted to do was be bullies. They wanted to play bully ball. And when you play bully ball, there's going to be contact. When there's contact, there's going to, you're going to go to the line. And that's what they're doing. They're trying that offensively and defensively. And it's resulting in free throws. So you're going to see a lot of that. 
a lot of in your face, a lot of toughness, uh, a lot of physicality. And that translates to the kind of games that I personally don't enjoy watching. If there was no flying WV on the jersey, I wouldn't be interested. Uh, but because I'm emotionally invested, I enjoy the games, of course. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love watching West Virginia. I love watching Bob Huggins. Uh, but their style is not my style. You mean you don't like the Virginia style of, you know, really slow it down, play stifling defense, or I'm sorry, or the old Big East style of basketball where it was just a rock fight every single game? Yeah, it's more old Big East style than it is that Virginia nonsense. Uh, You know, shout to Virginia winning the national championship. Of course, they got one in their belt, under their belt. So congrats to Tony, uh, what's his name, Tony? Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. So many people, for some reason, want to talk about Tony Bennett coming to Kansas after Bill Self leaves, which I'm hoping that Self is there long enough that that conversation doesn't ever actually happen. Um, I would would pull all of my hair out if I were to watch Tony Bennett bring his style of offense to the Jayhawks because it would be – I mean, yeah, the defense would be great, but the offense would be unwatchable. So It always is, even when they're winning, but – West Virginia is more in that tough, gritty, Big East rock fight. That's what you're looking at. And I always say, I've said for years, Huggins beats the offense out of guys. And even though the offense has been better this year, oftentimes it feels like he's beating the offense out of these guys. And I don't know exactly what that is or what to attribute it to. What I will say is that part of the issue you'll see with West Virginia is these guys are still getting to know each other. And every game they play, the better it gets. There's, there were Jimmy Bell's a transfer. Eric Stevens is a transfer. Trey Mitchell's a transfer. Emmett Matthews is a transfer. He didn't play with these guys last year. That's four of the starting five. Kedrian Johnson was here last year, but he didn't play with those other guys because they weren't here. So a lot of this is just figuring out who each other, who they are, and how they want to play, and how to get the most out of each other. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, um, you know, trying to get guys to play together. And, and, and Kansas has had to deal with some of this, in the, not necessarily with different guys who haven't played together, but guys taking up completely different roles from what they did last year. So, I mean, it's a similar sort of thing, although I think Kansas does have, the, obviously, the advantage of having the vast majority of their roster back from last year um, and, and just there in some additional capacity. But I think that's kind of just where we are with the way the college basketball works with so much in the transfer portal. So, you know, the ability for guys to move around and try to find good situations um, that your first, you know, 10 to 15 games are just going to be about figuring out what you have and developing and all of that and, and getting that chemistry where it needs to be, which of course means that you're going to have some, some bumps of the road early in conference play. So, so, you know, let's, let, let's go ahead and look specifically about this game West Virginia, as we said earlier, is 0-2 in conference play. How much does this feel like a must-win game already? Like, with a conference that is as difficult as this one is, do you feel like it's difficult enough that you can, you know, potentially drop to 0-3 and still have a good shot to get back in it because everybody's going to be beating each other up? Or is it so difficult that if you get into a big hole early, it's hard to get out of it? I'm going to read you a tweet from my guy, Josh Witt, at Unreasonable Doubt. Okay, you ready? Yep. Bob Huggins is 20-13 and 13 in games after two straight losses. He's 1-7 in those games in the last five seasons. All seven losses were in conference play. The win came against Moorhead State in the 2021 NCAA tournament. Crazy. Eight of the 20, eight of the 20 get-right games were wins against 
Robbins, DePaul, and Marshall. However, and this is a big however, WVU did beat Kansas at home in 2017, coming off two straight losses. So, as Josh Witt says, it's been done before. Yeah. So there's hope. It's a must win, but it's a must win for sure. But there's hope. And I'm hoping that Eric Stevenson got chin checked by Bob Hogg is enough to, to regain his composure, regain his focus. He tweeted out absolutely broken. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but hopefully he's back on the horse and ready to ride. Uh, and speaking again to the must win, another tweet from Josh Witt at Unreasonable Doubt. WVU NCAA tournament appearances in the Huggins era at WVU 11, and he's counting 2020. Appearances from a team that lost at least two in a row during the season or in the conference tournament, 11. Now, only two times has a team from the Huggins era made it to the tournament when losing three in a row. And they've never done it when, they only, when they've lost four in a row. So it's a big deal. Huggins teams don't seem to recover if they lose three in a row. And that's a real legitimate possibility playing this talented and well-coached Kansas team. Well, and, and honestly, just any time in the Big 12, honestly, this year, I could see any team in the conference potentially going on a three-game losing streak with how difficult the conference is. If you just hit guys at the wrong time, you know, you have guys have an off night at the wrong time, your whistle goes the wrong way for you in a couple of them. Like, this is this is kind of... You mean like a fog out? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but it's, it's definitely one of those where... I don't know that I necessarily agree that it is a must win just because of how difficult the conference is. I think every team in this conference is going to get that kind of respect this year, as long as the bottom doesn't completely fall out. Now, now granted West Virginia would definitely be well-served to win this one, to get that boost in the resume and to stop the skid there, because you look at what's coming up after this one and it's not like it gets any easier, right? Like sure. Kansas is the best team in the conference, but I mean, you've got Baylor coming to town then, uh, you know, next week, and then you go on the road to Oklahoma. Those are, again, two teams that are that are playing pretty well, that are doing pretty good, and, you know, you know. so, like, I, I, I definitely think that Baylor game is winnable, though, after seeing what happened to them, you know, in their last two games. So um, there's going to be plenty of opportunities, and, you know, if you, if you look at what Joe Lunardi over at ESPN did and you look at, at a lot of the bracketology you know, Big 12 right now is expected to get eight or nine teams into the tournament, which is absolutely ridiculous. I think the last update had nine teams from the Big 12 conference in the tournament, and Texas Tech was one of the first four out as the 10th team, which is just absolutely insane to think that there's a chance of getting 90% of the conference into the tournament with how strong that they've been playing so far. I saw he had WVU as a sixth seed after the most recent loss, I believe. So that's impressive by itself. Um, one thing I will mention is that Keydrian Johnson won't be playing. He's got a concussion. So that throws a wrench some things. But you got Joe Toussaint. He's a bulldog. He's a tough kid. Transferred from Iowa. Uh, he'll be playing. Kobe will be playing. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen there at that point in guard position. But you're going to need people to step up. And you don't view it as a must win. And I don't – it's not a must win because of how early it is in the season. I just don't trust this team. I mean, there's no reason to trust this team from the standpoint of I don't know this team. No one knows this team. This right, team right. has like, never existed. From a from a psyche point, it might be a must win. I think from a resume point, it's definitely not a must win at this point, which are, are two completely different conversations. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, looking at this, this is a this is a game I think that is going to be very interesting. Kind of like you said, you know, West Virginia is dealing uh, with a, a missing player. Um, Kansas is, I think, honestly, kind of trying to still figure out what they are. They've been 
you know, they've had different players step up in, in different contexts. I was very, very surprised to see the Texas Tech crowd get, make it personal, you know, with, with Kevin McCuller um, in that in that particular game. In fact, Bill Self said afterwards that, uh, you know, they love those personal type games because if the crowd goes after one of their players, everybody else steps up to kind of help buoy that player up, which is what happened with Kevin McCuller in that one. So, so my recommendation would be to make sure that the West Virginia crowd does not, like, pick on somebody um, on the Kansas roster, you know, and, and like go directly after them because it might make it a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, the Coliseum has not been rocking like it should be rocking, not like we're used to it rocking. But when Kansas comes to town, everything changes, man. You know what oh, that yeah. means. Oh, yeah, Kansas like, is Kansas like the Super Bowl town. team for every single team. Like when they come to town, everybody shows up because that's the team you want to watch your team beat. There's only one team in the Big 12 that West Virginia needs and wants to beat more than Kansas, and you know who that is. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> they got to beat the Baylor Bears when Jalen Bridges comes to town. They cannot afford to let that guy go off, and I think that's something that will help keep them fired up. So you got Kansas, big-time game. Then you got Baylor, big-time game. Emotions flowing, crowd involved. I don't know if they'll go after an individual. Probably, if, if they go after anybody, they'll probably be Bill Self. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, you know, I I am hoping to see a sign that says, um, you know, Bill Self, you're welcome. Because of Huggins' comments, you know, at at the the Big 12 tournament last year where they basically said, hey, he has got, you know, a team that better go win the national title. Um, You know, I I actually I had asked uh, Huggins about that at at the Big 12 media days, right? Like about the the thoughts about those comments and everything. And I think he actually found that kind of funny that somebody remembered that and actually asked about it. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody decides to to bring a sign mentioning that to the game um, on Saturday. It would be very, very funny to see. I, I would definitely enjoy it. Did you ask him what he thought of the Raspy Voice kids? No, I did not. Unfortunately, I didn't really get a good opportunity to do that. But uh, but no, no. Yeah, I, I, just... I thought that's what the 1012 Network was about, man definitely about helping each other out but i unfortunately i didn't get actually a chance to talk to him individually um because it was a pain in the butt to actually try to get to bill self and covering kansas that's what i had to do for the for the website um so you know it was definitely a lot harder to get there than it was to talk to huggins and uh, there was plenty of people that got some great quotes from him though as well so um, but no, I, I always enjoy listening to Huggins. I always enjoy, like, West Virginia is one of those teams that I like to root for unless it actively hurts Kansas because I love Huggins. I love a lot of the different, you know, players that have gone in and out there are players that I want to root for. So I'm definitely pulling for West Virginia to get it turned around. They are a team that I want to see play well, just not against Kansas. So um, g- going into this game, like, what is your feeling on this game? How do you think this game is going to go? Is this going to be a game where, where West Virginia is going to step up and at least make it competitive to the end? I'll be surprised if West Virginia doesn't win. I expect them to win. I don't think there's a better team. I just think it's a circumstance and a situation that Bob Huggins and his teams find a way to win at home. You know, if this was if this was in Lawrence, I wouldn't feel the same way. But being at home, I really think I expect them to win. And I hope they don't let me down. But I, I do. I expect them to win. Well, and to be honest, these are the games, like, playing West Virginia is always the weirdest game for Kansas in the entire conference slate, right? Like, you think about those those games where one team has been up really big and giving up huge leads, and it's happened for Kansas well, not not as many times as it happens for West Virginia, but I never come out of a West Virginia game thinking, oh, that was just a normal Big 12 game. It's always like, what weird crap is going to happen in this one that I'm going to remember for, you know, years on end here, so... 
I'll be interested to see what happens here. Um, Kansas is definitely going to drop at least one or two games that I'm going to look back on and say, man, they really should have won that game. I would not be shocked if this is one of them because, again, West Virginia is a good team. This Kansas team is still trying to figure out what it is that they're trying to do. Kansas does not have your traditional Kansas inside presence that you would normally have. K.J. Adams has been playing really well, and he's been getting better and better as it's gone on. But um, West Virginia feels like they have the horses to be able to play down low and potentially be quick enough to disrupt the game that KJ Adams likes to play down low. So I'm expecting to potentially see, especially if they give him problems to see more of, you know, Ernest Uday or Zuby Ejiofor for the Jayhawks to try to get something different going, but with how rowdy it can get and, you know, get out there in West Virginia and, you know, the, just the, the history of really weird results that we've seen, I would not be shocked at all, like you said, to see West Virginia win. I, of course, being a Kansas guy, have to be thinking that Kansas is going to win this game. And, and I mean, Kansas is the better team if you look at all of the, you know, all of the records yeah. and all of the, the advanced metrics and everything. Although, if you look at, you know, friend of our, of our network here, the CBB Analytics website, um, love what they're doing over there. They actually have Kansas at the, uh, if you look at the net rating, they actually have Kansas in the bottom half of the conference right now, um, at, at number 31. Um, they do not feel nearly as good about Oklahoma as a place like Ken Palm does. So um, I, I would be interested to kind of see what those differences are. I'm actually looking at potentially trying to have the, the guy that runs that site on to kind of t- explore what those differences are here in the next few weeks. But um, so there is some hope, right, that Kansas and West Virginia are a little bit closer than you might think if you look at some of the other rating systems. Yeah, I mean, the thing I like about you, Andy, is that I feel like you're um, you're not biased. Like, I know you root for Kansas, but you're objective in your analysis. So I, I take you for what you say and, and respect it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, you know, it's 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 one of those. I hate I hate people that just ignore the facts to make themselves feel good. Like, I understand why some people do it, and, and I understand that mentality of like why it's it's fun to do that in some cases and be irrationally, um, you know, optimistic about your team. But I've just never been able to do that. I I, I feel like um, you know taking in all the information. I have no problem making a statement and then being wrong about it, being proven wrong, getting more information, and, and changing my mind. So. Um, but yeah, no, I am, I am fully on board with the, um, you know, Kansas, Kansas has a team this year that could potentially make another national title run, which I did not think coming into the year that that was probably going to happen, but the way that this team is developed, but it's still early. It's still a team that needs to develop more to actually get to that point, And they're going to have bumps in the road. And this West Virginia team is good enough. Just like, honestly, any team in the, in the big 12 is good enough to win at home against any other team in the big 12. It's just that deep of a conference. So it's going to be a fascinating Big 12 conference season this year. Um, I will be very, very excited to kind of see how all of that wraps up. And, of course, as we just got done talking about on the women's side, women's side is looking just as competitive across the board. I mean, West Virginia, you know, took Iowa State down to the wire last last night um, or earlier this week on the women's side as well. So it's like we're going to have some fun conference races for, for basketball. Shout out to Midwest Madness. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, Brandon. Well, for those that want to get more information about West Virginia, want want to follow uh, the team as we go through the season, where's the best place to find all your work? You can find us at Raspy Voice Kids on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at uh, Raspy Voice Kids Podcast on Facebook, at RaspyVoiceKids at gmail.com. If you have any questions or inquiries, you can find me at I Also Hate Pit. Because no matter what you know about me, you need to know I also hate it. Uh, but 
prayers up for DeMar Hamlin, regardless of his affiliation. And uh, prayers up for not only him, but for the entire Pittsburgh community. I don't want that to get twisted as I say that. Uh, and uh, you can find my brother at JNPheen, J-N-P-H-E-E-N, on Twitter, and uh, The Raspiest on Instagram. So if you're looking for us, if you're looking for information, if you want to find our show, we are on all platforms, the Raspy Voice Kids. And I highly recommend, even if you don't care about West Virginia sports at all, that you follow what they do. I love your guys' pop culture segment. That is a first listen as soon as it comes out. That's the first thing that I'm playing every single week when it comes out. So, all right, uh, that is going to do it for us today. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. And, of course, Jamie and the prior segment. Um, if you guys have not already, please make sure you go out and uh, and subscribe to the podcast. You can get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. Um, but if, if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchuckpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchuckpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. And there's a chance we might be adding another show here coming up pretty soon to get some more coverage of some of the teams that we have not been able to find them yet. So to get all of the news about that, to catch all of the great shows we have, go over to 1012network.com and you can get links to all those shows. Um, Super happy to be partnered with Sports Drink as well. The network, a, a fantastic network that has not just our Big 12 shows, but a whole bunch of other ones as well. Um, make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel and Prize Picks. Both of them, absolutely great. Glad to be working with them. Use promo code CHOCK12 in both of those places to get fantastic deals with them. But that is going to do it for us today. Brandon, Jamie, thanks again for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.